Welcome, everybody, to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. We are getting ever so close. We are nine, nine days away. My gosh, it's in single digits. We're nine days away from myself, John Harris, your host, football analyst, silent reporter, and the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, who joins me now, being out at practice, 8 a.m., Texas Training Camp Live starts. I cannot wait. Mark, good evening. How are you doing? Johnny, I was just out at the broadcast site at the Houston Methodist Training Center this afternoon, and my news flash, this is breaking exclusive news. It was very hot out there today. That's my exclusive <laughs> yeah. news from training camp so far. I and Disney Harris, who does a tremendous job setting up all these events that we have, virtually all of them, uh, she was out there and her crew and they're setting up these stands for the season ticket members and those other people who will be able to win entry into training camp, other fans, it is going to be spectacular. It's going to look great. It already does, but they're still building, you know, finishing up on some of the stands areas, uh, new fields on at least two of the fields, I think. And our broadcast position, very close to the field as always really looking forward to being out there with you and describing everything going on at training camp. I am pumped. You can feel it. It's here, you know, as you get toward July 20th, you know, it's, uh, you're, it's kind of like when a rocket launches and hasn't launched yet, but it's, <laughs> it's on the pad and smoke's coming out and fire. And it's like, when's it going to go up? That's where we're at right now. Yeah. Drew and I, I think it was last week on in the lab, we decided kind of looked at each other and said, Man, training camp's coming up, and Drew just said, hey, let's do, like, some of our favorite memories from training camp. We had some good ones. But one of mine was – it was unfortunate for the Houston fans in some sense because mm -hmm. it was 17 and 18, in particular 2017. Yeah. yeah. When we went to the Greenbrier for the first time. And you, you actually had taken a trip there, I think, like a yeah. reconnaissance mission earlier that year, early in yeah. the spring. But I had not been there. And I remember going live that first day, like pulling up and seeing where we were and looking around and just thinking, did I die and go to football heaven? Like, this is unbelievable. It was still kind of a chill in the air. Yeah. And you just saw mountains. And I'm like, oh, my, oh, my gosh. This is unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was one of my most – I'll never forget that particular year just because it was so new. Then we went back in 2018. It was just as great. Uh, but it was, you know, we had kind of been there, done that sort of thing. Um, and we still enjoyed it because the weather was fantastic. And Loved it. We meeting great people up there and all that Loved kind of it. stuff. Oh, it was great. But I will say 2019 coming back home uh, was uh, was really, really nice. Last year, yeah. really weird. So hopefully 2021 is going to get us back to a little bit more of what we saw uh, in 2019 uh, out there at training camp. And it's I, th these are the most fun radio shows that we do those two weeks. I, I yep. love those weeks. Because we've done them from everywhere. Denver, Green Bay, um, those are the two that yeah. first come to mind. The Greenbrier for a number of weeks. Uh, San Francisco, I, I, think, I think we had finished just before we went to San Francisco. Maybe we I did a show we, while we were out there. Maybe I we did. We, yeah, we did a couple we, or something. I think we've we did a couple everywhere. while we were out there. Man, we've been, we've been around. Uh, there's no question about that. But uh, we will be in Houston. We are one. This is, this is an odd year. I saw this pop up. On my Twitter feed today, we are one of a very few number not doing joint practices this right. year, which we were always, we were right in the mix of doing yep. it. 
But this year, uh, we're not. The Rams, they're doing it twice. Green Bay's doing it with the Jets, I think, which makes sense because Sala and Matt LaFleur are very close. There's, it, It's odd that we're not doing joint practices, but either way, um, it'll be fine. There'll be plenty of stuff going on, and we will capture it for you all. HoustonTexas.com, the app, which is great. You got to download the app. Mobile ticketing, you definitely need that for the season. Um, and then, of course, on Sports Radio, uh, Sports Radio 610. Space Jam, I want to get to this. We got a lot to do. We got uh, <laughs> we got start, bench, cut. We're going to do that. Right. We're also going to break down a position each day leading up into training camp. Today is going to be defensive backs. We'll do that in a second. But Space Jam, a new legacy. I think it's called a new legacy. Yeah. It's interesting because it was a pretty big talking point throughout Twitter. And some of you were like, love it, hate it, love it, hate it. What do you think of Space Jam, a new legacy? I'm just going to go ahead and say before we hear, I love, I loved it. It's you got to take it for what it is. It's just exactly. it's, it's Looney Tunes. Exactly, it's Looney Tunes. It's fun. You expect it to be too serious and eh, get lost, but it was he, fun. That's the way I, I look at it. it. What I love is the critics, the the people who think. And Josh Ennis, I got to get him, give him credit. He tweeted this out, and my sentiments exactly. He said too many people are acting like Space Jam One was Citizen Kane. You know, <laughs> it was this amazing critically acclaimed movie <laughs> it's michael jordan and looney tunes characters playing yeah. basketball okay right let's not overreact to it it's for kids and it's fantastic stuff for kids and you know what space jam 2 fantastic stuff for kids that's what yes. i thought i saw it over the weekend and i thought fine it's great it's for kids just like one was right one is not one of the best movies of the 90s now if it no. is to you listener that's fine that's yeah. great uh because my big thing was my even my kid thinks space jam one is like gone with the wind or something it's this historic <laughs> film and <laughs> uh, you know but he liked space jam too he liked the whole lebron thing and yeah. you know there were some things i would do different about the movie but so what that's every movie i see and i just think that it's good kid fun it's it's almost like i'll tell you what adults and a lot of people are going to get upset with me right now johnny adults overreact to negative reviews about star wars films it's yes. star wars it's an adventure yes. story in outer space it's barely science fiction I, right. I say barely because to me the matrix is science fiction inception is science fiction star wars is an adventure story set in outer space that's how i look at it anyway and people freak out like this one's no good or this one's not they're Look, they're all kind of the same if you look back and look yeah. at them closely. Anyway, that's how I feel. Yeah, and the one thing I will say that I, I really liked about it was all the little, like, Easter eggs, all the little things that you saw that you're like, oh, that's funny. Like, yeah. when Don Cheadle was morphing into various coaching characters. Yes, if Bob you Knight. Knew who the Yeah, if you knew the coaching, he did one where he was Belichick, where he had the hood over. Yeah. I was yeah. dying laughing at times at some of the little things that they mixed in uh, throughout the whole show, but it was fun. I watched it with my son. My son's 21, and he, he you know, he's, his movie tastes are kind of all over the place. He loves rom-coms, believe it or not. Um, and he likes comedy. Really? He likes comedies. Yeah, my son mm -hmm. loves rom com. Dad, can we watch a rom com? I'm like, sure. Um, no. When he loves comedy, but uh, I will say this: we're in the midst. I'm in the midst of rewatching. He's in the midst of watching for the first time Ozark. Oh, see, oh, that's one of the things good. about having High about tension. having older kids. Like having older kids, I can watch that stuff with him. You can watch and with it's them. like, oh, it's going back and rewatching. <laughs> 
holy smokes. I mean, Epic. the end of each season, he has just sat there and stared at me on the couch like, did that just happen? And I can't even tell him what happens at the end of season three. It's going to be wild. So, anyways, that's one of the things oh. that uh, you guys have to look forward to with your uh, with your boys getting older, sharing some things like that. Because that is neither Rom nor Calm, and he absolutely loves it. I'm not ready to see uh, Ozark with him just yet. But I will say with that show, episode one, season one, if you don't like that, you don't need oh. to watch the rest of the series. That is one of the best debut episodes of a series i've ever seen yes. i can't think of a better one as a matter of fact breaking ever. bad soprano no that debut episode set it up so well and completely gripped me as a viewer so um i liked it yeah it is really. it is absolutely uh tremendous yes we've done breaking bad and so here's the other one so some people may know this may not my daughter is out in los angeles doing some things and trying to work away into the acting industry. And so she was on a shoot um, Monday, last month, oh, Monday. Yeah. Last Monday. And so she called afterwards the next day. Cause it was like a, it was like a 16 hour shoot. They were out there from like four 30 in the morning. Oh boy. Pacific time until I think it was probably like six or seven 30. It was, it was wild. It was a long day. Anyways, she calls me the next day and she's like telling me all about it. And, you know, all the different people she saw. And then she's like, and then I met this guy. His name was Martin. He was German. And he was, he said he's in an episode of Better Call Saul. And I almost fell off the couch. I was like, what? The Germans in Better Call? I'm like, no oh, way. Yeah. She goes, yeah. She goes, no, I think he's in, a, in an upcoming episode, not a previous episode. I was like, I don't care. The fact that he's in Better Call Saul, so... Uh, my son got caught up on Better Call Saul too, so he's all he's all caught up on that. And we told him, and he just went crazy. So uh, it's yeah, those those shows. Uh, it's pretty cool that I can now share those shows with Jack, and I'm sure you'll be able to do that with the uh, Vander Kids plural at some point. But um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, those are our film reviews for tonight. Siskel and yes. Ebert, uh, <laughs> thumbs up both uh, for Space Jam. More than likely, people are listening for our Siskel and Ebert on football. Mm -hmm. And so I figured each day or as much as we can up until training camp, and we'll probably do it through training camp, we'll do a position, we'll pick a position, we'll kind of pick it apart a little bit. And so I came up, came up with different questions within that group. So tonight's position analysis is in the defensive backfield. Now, one thing, just as a side note, if you are reading anything Anything that we write, talk about, uh, we'll talk about it a different way, but anything that we write, put on video, any of that, all you will see are the letters D and B. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right. You won't true. see nickel. You won't see safety. You won't yeah. see corner. You won't see slot. You won't see any of those things. You're going to see D, B for defensive back. That's it. And you're going to see that written. I mean, I'll, I'll write it. Now, we all have a pretty good idea Justin Reed plays safety. But we went through this whole thing last year with Lonnie Johnson. Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Yeah. Lonnie solved the thing for everybody. We said, oh, look, I'm just a defensive back. And lo and behold, that's kind of the change in nomenclature you're going to see. Offensive linemen, all of them, offensive linemen. Center, guard, tackle, eh. Offensive linemen. 
across the board. So when we talk about defensive backs, we're talking about everybody, not splitting them up. So here we go, Mark. Defensive backfield, first question, yeah. the defensive backfield player most under the microscope to perform well in 2021? Uh, it's either Justin Reed or Bradley Roby, right? Because they have to – you have the feeling here, Johnny, how things could change the way it shakes sure. out and depending on what you actually have here when we see these guys play. But the microscope goes on those guys – uh, and you could say pressure, whatever, because both those players have to perform extremely well, best of their ability, a game all the way in order for this defense. You get the feeling to do anything that could get you victories, right? I mean, yep. you feel that way. I mean, and I'm, when I say right. victories, I don't mean four. I mean, get you over that hump. Uh, right. You get you over the eight, nine win hump. So gosh, this 17 game schedule. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like those two guys are the ones now they're incumbents, if you will. But Roby is look, he's a really good corner. You know, when he's out there healthy now, I know he can't play in game one and Justin Reed really good safety and has got to perform like that on a consistent basis. He even says himself didn't have all his best moments stacked up consistently last year but he did make a lot of good plays for this team obviously they need to get turnovers we could talk about that all day long but those are my two guys johnny that are going to be most under the microscope now as far as the new players you can almost put a separate microscope on for the new players category yeah hold on that but as, because we're as going far, to okay but as far as the 16 defensive backs they have it's reed and roby for me how about you for me it's lonnie johnson and i there's a there's a part of me and i and i'm make sure I, I say this clearly because I, I shouldn't do this, but there's a part of me that sort of takes Roby and Reed for granted. Not that, okay. not that it should, but I expect them to play pretty well. And Oh, by the way, you make a great point about Justin Reed because going to Cleveland, you know, Justin had, he didn't have the greatest game, but we came back from Cleveland, played new England. He had one of his best games of the year. Texans walk out of there with a W only gave up 20 points that day. I think Justin Reed really is kind of the the well, you know, yachting. Mm -hmm. How you drive the yacht? It's I think Justin <laughs> Reed goes a big way in how you how you do that. You I don't know the, what that's called. The mizzen, the mizzen, the mizzen, the mizzen. I don't know something. Whatever. You, you trim the sails. You deal with the oscillating shifts. You right. tack on the headers. Got it. Right there, you go. So uh, I, I think it's Lonnie though because. And the reason I say that is I think if Reed and Roby play well, mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. And I don't want to say I'm taking for granted, but I kind of am. But if Lonnie plays well, then you're talking about yeah. Yeah. a physical safety that can do a lot for you. Mm -hmm. He can he'd cover and come up and hit. We know that. I think his tackling has got to improve. And I don't know if – look, last year was the first year he's played safety. You know, he's played corner – High school, college, you know, junior college, college, you know, he's played corner. He gets moved to safety for the most part last year. Now, in 2019, he did play it, but he really was kind of playing a cover safety against the Chiefs in that playoff game. But he really moved to safety for the first time. So now he's got kind of a feel for it. And the game looks different. It looks really different from a safety position than from a corner position. And sometimes in a corner, at a corner, you got to just, you're, you're locked in on your guy. You're playing man to man. You're right. watching that guy. You have no idea what's going on inside. As a safety, you got to see all of that. 
and you got to take it all in. You got to take in that picture and then how the picture changes and then what's happening from sideline to sideline. And I was talking about Jonathan Joseph today. And even though he was a corner, I always feel like JJ had an understanding of what all 21 other players were doing on a field. That's the way you've got to play as a safety. I feel like Justin's moving in that direction where he kind of has an idea of where everybody in the field is, what they're all doing. Lonnie's got to get there because if he does, now all of a sudden you combine that with what Justin gives you. Now you can look at it and say, hey, these two back end, they look pretty good together. I kind of like this. They obviously would like to see them, you know, turn, you know, turn teams over, get some takeaways, but also I want to see them tackle consistently. And there were times where the tackling was off last year for too long of stretches, and that's got to be better this year. Okay. The defensive backfield's best player on paper right now is? Uh, do you say Roby? Yeah, I think it's Roby. I, I, I think look, it's Roby. He's made big plays at big times and big moments in this league. And there are other guys who have done that, but yeah. maybe not to the extent that he has. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to do it again. But Roby's only 29 years old, Johnny. I say only right. because, look, he's, he's got some years left here. And this is a big year for him personally and for the team, obviously. It's always a big year for the team. So I would say it's probably him. I, now, I guess you're going to ask some other questions here because I got some other guys to bring up, and I want your feedback on them. But I would say, Roby, you agree? Okay. I think that's, I think that's probably – I think you're right. Mm -hmm. The one thing most people are overlooking as it pertains to the secondary heading into training camp. Desmond King. I think people are overlooking the fact that he's good on the football team. Yes, right. that's a good one. I think between Desmond King and Terrence Mitchell, let's just start with those two guys. You know, you have some interesting players here, Johnny. Like, they could really be a big boost for this defensive backfield, and nobody's talking about them. It really. Right. I mean, and look, I get it. I get it. The Texans didn't win the division. They won four games. They didn't bring in high-priced, marquee-busting, sports center-leading free agents. But they did bring in some guys who have some uh, a few pelts, okay? And Desmond yep. King's one of them. And I think that between King and Mitchell, you have two players that aren't being discussed that could make a big difference, could, because there's no guarantee here. But I'm really eager to see what they show at the Houston Methodist Training Center starting next week. You I do. think you are dead on about Desmond King. Dead on. And I was, I was writing about him the other day on something, and it just struck me. He's not the fastest guy. He's the biggest guy. You're not the best tackler. He's not the best interceptor of the football. But, man, he's good. He's good in everything. Maybe not elite in anything, but he's good in everything. Mm -hmm. And he is a really good football player. Smarts, IQ. Maybe, maybe, that's, the, maybe that's the elite aspect is how smart he is. His, uh, I was talking with Suds today about this, but his ball awareness, knowing where the ball is at all times threats to go get the ball where those receivers are i think he and then go getting the ball himself you know there's a he's a definite ball magnet i i'm really excited about what desmond king brings but i think one of the other things that people are overlooking and you know look we've talked a lot about you know john grenard ross blacklock you know even isaiah coulter's come up you know from last year's rookie class the 2020 rookie class not a lot of people are talking about john reed 
And yeah. I still think that John Reed's got a little bit, he's got a, he's got a lot left to show. Mm-hmm. And I think the rookie year was so disjointed. I would see him in the hallway sometimes, and he just he just didn't look like it was having a lot of fun. I mean, we weren't winning, and he's a right. rookie, and everything is so disjointed. Yeah. And I felt for him. I was like, man, you know, there are a lot of times I just want to go there and kind of put my arm around him and say, man, it's, it's all right. It gets, it gets better. And I think he is wildly talented as a football player. And I think he could be an inside guy. And I think that he and Desmond King can find their way on the field and do some good things. And I think John Reed's got something. And I think he is a guy that gets overlooked in the secondary because we talk a lot about the new guys, Terrence Mitchell, which, by the way, Terrence Mitchell was here before. I don't know if people realize that in 2015. It just so happened that at that point, Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, A.J. Boye, and Kevin Johnson were all here too. Three of them first-rounders and A.J. Boye, one of the best free agents undrafted free agents that Texas ever had. Those were all the guys that were in front of him. And yeah, Terrence Mitchell, you know, moved around the league a little bit, kept making plays, kept getting better and better to a point he could come back here and presumably be a starter at one spot. We'll find out. But I think, uh, I think John Reed gets overlooked because he was a little later, you know, draft pick. He was not a second or third rounder like Ross and John were. And so I think he does get overlooked. And I was watching the, the week 17 game against the Titans last year which will be a week 18 game this year, but either way. And Yikes. I was watching him. I can't remember who he was up, who he was covering, but I just watched him. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. That's like really good coverage. And he was a man coverage and did a nice job kind of matching mirror and a slot receiver chasing him around the field. And Tannehill ended up throwing it to somebody else. And I thought, man, man, he bottles that channels that bottles that he can end yeah. up being somebody that we don't need to overlook. Now he's got to, he's got to come, to camp and really be ready to prove it and jump on that opportunity. Because I think in that defensive backfield, I don't know that anything really is locked up at any spot. I don't think anything's locked up. I think they're going to probably spend a decent amount of time trying to figure out what they're going to do with the group that they have. You would think Roby and Reed would be two places to start, but after that, uh, you know, who knows, you know, how do they, how do they settle on who's, who's the nickel? Could Desmond King play safety? Uh, could John Reed play safety? Could John Reed win one of those outside corner spots? Well, it's going to all play out with all those 16 guys and a number of them being new. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Well, let me let me share this with you. Okay, Our Labs is a site that puts depth charts out there the yes. way they see it, right? Texans obviously aren't going to do that right now. They don't even put what position you're playing. It's all DB, like you said, for the 16 guys. They have Jonathan Owens and Terrence Brooks as reserve safeties behind Lonnie Johnson and Justin Reed and nobody else at safety. Johnny, who else on this team could possibly play safety other than Brooks and Owens behind Lonnie and Justin Reed? I mean, are we dealing with Eric Murray here? Could cross and play a little bit? I mean, uh, Oh, AJ Moore is still on this team. Okay. And they have him listed as a corner so he can play safety, obviously. Yeah, AJ Moore's gonna be absolutely AJ Moore's gonna be a you know, he'll be a corner. Safety. Or a safety, I mean. Uh, yeah. I think Desmond King could end up being uh could end up being a safety. He's got those kind of uh traits, mm-hmm. but he's got he's got corner skills. So the nice thing about training camp is you kind of let some of those things play out. And you know as well as I do, as much as we don't want injuries, there will be injuries, and there they'll be forced be. into hey, we might need to move this guy over here. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're down a few guys, and all of a sudden you take a look at him, and you go, "Ooh, wow, he kind of 
you're pretty good back there. But yeah. can we try that again? And then that guy runs up, runs away with it. And hopefully that's what's going to happen. All right, those are our position analysis on defensive backs for this team. Coming up next, segment that I think is going to be a staple on our shows going forward. It's called Start, Bench, Cut. We'll do that next on Texans All Access. We are rolling on a Monday night edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. And we said in the first segment, we asked a, I asked a question about what player in the defensive backfield would be under the microscope the most in 2021. Well, right now, the voice of the Texans, Uh-oh. who, by the way, has called every single game for this organization, and he's the only man or woman in the NFL to do that for his particular team. Wow. So keep that in mind. You are, you are that guy. And that's uh, that's very cool. I always keep up. Uh, always, I always have that thought. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you this. Oh gosh. I can't believe I didn't tell you this. What? I don't, I don't know why this, this <laughs> I don't know why I had this dream, but I had this dream the other day that I left the microphone in the locker room or not the locker room in the, uh, in the media room where I put my stuff at Lucas oil field. Mm-hmm. And in trying to get back to it, I did for some reason didn't have my shoes on and I was having to go through all these different places. Cause you know how it is in Indianapolis. You got all these yeah. different corridors you can go down. Right, right. And so I was going down all these different corridors and I was, I ended up at Conseco field house, which I don't know what it is. Bankers <laughs> life field. I think it is now. Yeah. Then I ended up, I ended up in the silver dome. I don't Somehow. know why it's a That's dream. in Pontiac, Michigan. Yeah. I could not get back to Lucas oil field. And I was like, man, th- th- there's something there in that dream, sure. but I, I don't want to, I don't want to analyze it right now. Freud was that would have a ball with this one. Yeah. And yeah. He, they, they tore down the silver dome too. I know. I know. So I don't know exactly what that's telling me. I mean, Andre played in the silver dome and we hate the Colts like poison. So I don't know. Maybe there's something you know yeah. going on with that, but either way, uh, I forgot to tell you that. I thought I'd share with that with the listeners. So I was bouncing around uh, on the Twitters the other day, and there's a famous game that um, people will play, whether it's at home or on the radio, where you can use explicit terms and mm-hmm. uh, blank, blank, blank. And yeah. if you know it, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And I can't use those terms, but I thought, man, there's got to be something. There. Well, I saw it on Twitter the other day. I was like, okay, this is perfect. I'm stealing this. And as Sean McVay says, uh, coaches are the best thieves. Well, yep. radio talk hosts every now and again got to borrow an idea. And so I'm borrowing this idea Absolutely. because I think it's good. So we're going to change blank, blank, blank to start, bench, cut. Do it. You ready? Ready. Okay. I've got two, four, I got, I got eight of them right here. And okay. they will run the gamut. And you'll see exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'll try not to even give them a description. I'll just give them to you and then you can figure it out. All right. Everybody start can play one. along at home. Okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Three quarterbacks who did not win Super Bowls. Dan Fouts, Dan mm. Marino, mm. Philip Rivers. Oh, man. Well, I'll cut Rivers. Uh, <laughs> automatic. Automatic cut Rivers. I know he broke Fouts's record with the Chargers, but come on. Fouts was Fouts. He's a pioneer. And, you know, I love him. This is tough. This is Sophie's choice right here, dated <laughs> reference. Uh, look, if I seriously have to win a football game, I'm going to start Marino. 
Uh, okay. But I love Fouts so much. He's my favorite all-time quarterback. I know. I know. That's why I made this uh, one hard. All right. But you know what? I'm going to stick to my I'm going to stick to my family here. I'm going to start Fouts and I'm going to bench Marino. I'll cut Rivers. He's okay. out of there. Rivers is gone. I do like all Rivers right. a little bit, though. Yeah. OK. All right. I might as well give you this one like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Might as well. I should I should have gotten this one first, but okay. I kind of wanted to set it up with something pretty easy. OK. We'll dive into something pretty hard. Start one, bench one, cut one. Brock Osweiler, Dave Ragone, Brandon Whedon. Oh, you're so – all right. I'm going to start Whedon. Okay. Gonna, all right. I'm going to bench Osweiler, and I'm going to cut Ragone. And I like oh. David so much. You know I like Dave. We run into him at the combine all the time. And, and, look, he's a terrific guy. Uh, where did I hear him mentioned – recently maybe it was on the podcast that you recommended with sean McVay, uh but ragone yeah, yeah he's coaching he's coaching he was with the bears i don't he know he was he's, still- he's somewhere now he might is he a coordinator now carolina wait wait let's look this up because i need oh to he's know. the uh, offensive coordinator with the uh, falcons with the falcons okay arthur good smith. for dave Good for yeah. Dave Ragone working under Arthur Smith. That is huge right there. And I don't know what yeah. the connection is with Dave, who was in Chicago for a while. They were with, they were with each other because Arthur Smith had been in Tennessee for a long time, a long time. He was in Tennessee in the 2013 season, and Arthur Smith was also there. He was the Tennessee Titans quarterback's coach in 2013. And so that's, okay. where, he, that's where he met Arthur Smith. So Dave Ragone is now the offense coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons. You know what other quarterback friend of mine, well, friend, acquaintance of mine, uh, just got promoted is Ken Dorsey. He's now passing yeah. game coordinator with the Bills, and he's been quarterback's coach for a while and was Cam Newton's quarterback coach when they were going really good in Carolina. So good for Kenny. Okay. Mm-hmm. You handled that one pretty well. I, I, Although we do have to tell David Go when we see him that you cut him. But that's yeah, okay. yeah, but you know what? When you give him the company, he'll say, Osweiler, I couldn't beat out Osweiler. But listen, Dave Ragone, two starts for the Texans, 0-2. Yeah. All right? Osweiler, as, quote, bad as it seemed, Osweiler still 9-7 and record, the team, playoff game starter, won that game. I'm not going to sit here and say, look, uh, they shouldn't have moved on from yeah. Brock Osweiler. But, you know, he won a few games here, and, that was just a weird year, Johnny. We've had some yeah. weird years. That was one of them. Very much so. Okay. This one, oh, boy. Start one, bench one, cut one. Okay. Ready? Derek Henry, Earl Campbell, Chris 2K Johnson. All right. Villain running back. Actually, not really. Kind of, sort of. Earl Campbell's not a uh, villain to me. He's not a villain. But he now wears a villain. See, that's what makes me mad because I got to yeah. think about Earl in this way. Like, oh, he's up in the Titans ring of fan. That's just such crap. You could have got one, Eddie bench George. One, cut one, Derek. Oh, yeah, I should put Eddie George in there. You Dang it, got... I knew there was somebody I was missing. Listen, okay, take Earl out take of there. Earl, Earl Campbell out. Earl is royalty almost. I mean, he's football deity, okay? Earl is Earl. So let's take okay. him out. Put Eddie George okay. in there. And he's coaching what college team right now? Is it uh, Tennessee, Tennessee State? Tennessee State. Yep. Okay, Tennessee good State. for him. Anyway, start I'll one, start. bench one, cut one. Derrick Henry, Eddie George, Chris Johnson. Look, as great as Eddie George is, I'm going to start Derrick Henry. Okay. okay. And All I right. know Chris Johnson did what he did, but I don't know. Guys who he wasn't flashing the pan exactly. I mean, he ran, he was good, Johnny. And I'll he never forget great. him being uncovered oh. <laughs> on the edge. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
on the outside. I oh, just yeah. didn't like that. Was that 2010? I believe it was. Anyway, yeah. uh, that, that hurt a lot. It would make but, sense it was 2010. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Anyway, Chris, uh, Chris Johnson, I know. I'll go. Um, I'll start Derrick Henry because you know how yeah. I feel about him. I think he's yes. a phenomenal player, and he makes all the difference for that football team. I'll go Eddie George on the bench, and I'm going to cut Chris Johnson. Okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Brian Cushing, Bernardrick McKinney, oh. Oh, Jamie Sharper. Ooh. Brian Cushing, oh, you're, Bernardrick McKinney, stinks. Jamie Sharper. <laughs> this stinks. <laughs> I mean, Jamie yeah. Sharper. I love Jamie Sharper. He was really good for this football team. Yep. Look, you know how I feel about that early defense first couple of years. Yep. They could have done some damage if they had the offense to match. And you know what? If everything Charlie Casually does, doesn't even have to be everything, but if a lot of things that he wanted to do worked out, they could have won a lot more games. They would have won a lot more games. I don't think enough to make the playoffs. The Colts were too good then. The Titans were too good then. Anyway, I'll go Cushing starting. Okay. B-Mac on the bench, and I'm going to have to cut Sharper. Sorry, Jamie. Oh, man. But you know what? You can make a case that Sharper should be ahead of B-Mac. And Cushing's the all-time leading tackler in the history of the franchise. I might be going recency here with, with B-Mac. And I loved his truck, too, with the big 55 on oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just thought he was a great character. But so was Sharper. I mean, I did a thing with Sharper early on in the West Club that was so much fun. It was this quarterback club lunch thing, this organization yeah. that came in from out of town and hired him. Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cut B Mac. I haven't turned in okay. the paperwork yet. Sorry, B Mac. Okay. I'm cutting you. It's probably not listening right now. Uh, I'm gonna and Jamie Sharper might be. So I'm gonna put Jamie <laughs> Sharper on the bench and I'm gonna put Cushing in the starting lineup. There. Okay. All right. Bench one. Start, sorry. Start one. Bench one. Cut one. Okay. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens. One of these. It's one of these Moss Rice things. And it, you know what? A lot of this depends on what kind of mood you're in and maybe who the quarterback is. That's yeah. <sighs> Jerry that's, that's Rice. True. So good. You often wonder, you feel like Moss could make a lot of teams good, no matter what the situation is, you know, would Jerry Rice be as great as he was if he played in that Vikings offense, right? He'd make plays. I don't know if it's the same thing. And when you have arguments like this, when you have these kinds of debates between all-time greats, when you pick one, it sometimes sounds like you're saying the other guy stinks. Of course. Nobody's saying that. Jerry yeah. Rice the best of all time, numbers-wise. But Randy Moss, Johnny. Randy Moss was sick. The hands, the, yes. the deep threat that he was. You want to talk about game-changing Randy Moss. The 49ers with Jerry Rice were so balance you know they had everything going on they ran the football well in that west coast scheme they had a good offensive line they had other receivers they had the tight ends i'm gonna go randy moss and i'm gonna start him jerry rice on the bench and i'm gonna cut to i can't believe it to's so good but right. among those three you got to put him third yeah i think you're right i think you're right although to is not gonna like hearing that okay He's not this this one is only one that texas fans could love Okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Steve McKinney, Chris Myers, 
Ben Jones. Oh, All that's four tough. starters at center for the Texans. Well, look, and McKinney, the first center in Texans history, now a franchise owner of McDonald's. Uh, so a really good player, by the way, started yeah, for Peyton Manning's good. Colts before he got here. Yep. Myers, though, pro bowler. Yep. All right. And Myers took the heat. I mean, we literally had a caller on Sports Radio 610's morning show who dubbed himself Chris Myers sucks guy. Myers <laughs> knew all about him. Hi, Chris Myers sucks guy here because Myers had that shaky, at, that's a polite way of putting it, debut game or not debut, but a season premiere game in 09 yeah. against the Jets against Chris Jenkins, who ragdolled him a few times because yeah. Myers was playing on a high ankle sprain and he right. didn't talk about it at the time. But two years later or something, he revealed it. Myers is a really good player and part of the greatest offensive line in this franchise's history. I'm going to start Myers. McKinney is going to go on the bench and I'm going to cut Ben Jones, even though I really like Ben Jones. And you could argue that they should have resigned Ben Jones. He still starts yeah. for a playoff team now. You know, it's funny with these guys. Uh, everyone accused Rick Smith of not drafting well in rounds three and four, yet he drafted Brandon Brooks and, and Ben Jones. And these guys are yeah. still playing in this league. I know Brandon got hurt last year, but he's still a starter and a pro bowler at that. So to me, uh, I think those are good players, no doubt. They might not be all world players every year, but they're good, solid NFL offensive line starters. And I still cut Ben Jones because I like Steve McKinney. Thank you. Okay, last one. Yeah. See how you handle this one. Mm -hmm. Start one, bench one, cut one. JJ Watt, 2012. JJ <laughs> Watt, 2014. JJ Watt, 2015. For those people that are going, wait a second, when did he win Defense Player of the Years? Those years, 2012, 2014, and 2015. That's when JJ won those. Start one, bench one, cut one. Watt 12, Watt 14, Watt 15. You got to start Watt 14. He had all, had all the touchdowns, playing yeah. offense, scoring on defense. The one we always talk about in the loss yep. against the Colts where he picked up the fumble, ran it in, the pick yep. six against the Bills, the other TDs he had. I know the playoffs in 15 didn't go so well, uh, but 14, that season, 9-17, and 17, if – team performance is not a factor i'll start that season johnny i think i'm gonna go with 12 maybe okay. as uh as my bench and i'm just gonna cut 2015 even though i think in many ways you know when i have to think about favorite texans seasons that's actually top three the fact that you started two and five and won the division i'll yeah. just never forget that year that you know, we always talk about the Monday nighter at Cincinnati, the first win at the Colts and all that. Yep. But what I think, am I right on this? 2012 better than 2015, maybe? I think from a production standpoint, yes. But in 2015, J.J. was dealing with A, teams, double, triple team, and doing all that kind of stuff. And he was banged up throughout 2015 and he was still dominating fools and they were number two so, i think in the league defensively i mean that was a phenomenal yeah. defensive year i mean when you win a game 10 to 6 yeah. on the road against an undefeated team on national television when you win yeah. a game 16 to 10 that says something as a unit yeah no doubt i would pick i would start 14 bench 15 cut 12 only because rich was on the sideline at 12 so i'm envious of rich for <laughs> okay i didn't think of that johnny sorry <laughs> that's the way that i think on that standpoint. Mark, nice job. All right, we get back. We'll go around the league and 
The Texas Bowl named their Gridiron Legends class of 2021. We'll do that next right here at Texas All Access. Texas All Access. Texas All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this final segment, a short one here on a Monday evening. Hope you all are well. I'm your host, John Harris, and I mentioned the Texas Bowl. Our good friends over at LSSC named their 2021 Gridiron Legends class. And I love going through things like this. And you're going to hear some names on here, and you're like, yo, how about, you remember the name Dennis Gentry? I did kind of a flashback today, and I went, Dennis Gentry, Dennis Gentry. Oh, Bears. Yeah, Baylor Bears and then the Chicago Bears. Speaking of Bears and Bears, how about Baylor All-American, eight-time NFL All-Pro and Hall of Famer Mike Singletary? He is part of the 2021 class. How about former Texan? And I think he should be a Hall of Fame punter. Our good friend from East Bernard, Shane Leckler. Winning his coach in A&M history. Unfortunately, uh, he's come down sick and hopefully he's going to fight and get himself back to health. And that's R.C. Slocum. Emmett Thomas, five-time Pro Bowler, Four-time All-Pro, Hall of Famer. I didn't realize he's from Angleton. That was really cool. He used to play Angleton when I was in high school. I didn't realize uh, Emma Thomas is one of my favorite players. I love the 60s Chiefs. I don't know why. I just do. The 60s Chiefs just, I don't know. There's something about them that I really like. And Emma Thomas was a big reason why. We're number 18. He was fantastic uh, with the AFL. And I was a big AFL fan. And then he was a great coach. He was an excellent coach coaching the secondary uh, after his playing career was up jerry ball beaumont native went to uh westbrook wow why am i beaumont westbrook and then went to smu three-time pro bowler this name you should recognize university of houston alumnus and 2011 pfwa assistant coach of the year wade phillips goes in yes Two Longhorns, Texas High School Hall of Famer and Texas Longhorn Hall of Fame inductee Steve Worcester, who played fullback uh, for the University of Texas teams in the 1960s. In 1969, they won a national championship. The next time the University of Texas won a national championship, their quarterback was some guy named Vince Young. Have you heard of him? Well, I hope you have because he is also in the class of 2021. And then a name I know, my buddy, Dirty Red, Clint Sterner is going to love seeing the Patriarch of 707 football, co-creator of the Bayou Bowl from over there in Baytown. Dick Olin, longtime coaching career um, over there in Baytown. Dick Olin, also administrator over the Fort Bend District, who my parents both know, Keith Kilgore, uh, gets in as well. So this 2021 class, very, very cool. And congratulations to all those legends now for the Texas Bowl. A big thanks to Mark. Thanks to Joanna, all of you for listening. Congratulations to all the legends. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.